I found it funny that I was going to talk today on the supernatural and specifically look at healing, and I've been sick this week. I was like, how does that work? Anyway, so uh, uh, let's jump right in. I love this passage, Mark nine fourteen through 29. I want to look at this before we really jump to, to 1 Corinthians 12 today. In my Bible, it's titled, The Healing of a Boy with an Evil Spirit. And it says this, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. That's Jesus, right? When are you, what are you arguing with them about? And a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought my son who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. And Jesus had gone indoors. His After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this can come out only by prayer. And some manuscripts there would say, your Bible might have this little asterisk if you're reading from a paper version. Uh, some, some manuscripts would say this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. The disciples could not set the boy free from this evil spirit that had been with the boy since childhood says, I asked your disciples to drive out the Spirit, but they could not. This is said to be a large crowd when Jesus arrives on the scene, and um, I think we're in the same season today. And I love that the, the Bible provides us all these stories and these occurrences. There's, as it says, there's many more than could be written, but I, I love that this one is written because today I think we battle the same challenge. 
the majority of our culture would stand and look at the church and they would say, you know what? Uh, this is not able to do in my life what I, I, I think Jesus said the church should be able to do. I, I haven't been healed. Uh, I'm arguing the ability of God to, you know, and then fill in the blanks. I think we live in a world that would, would be accusational and would accuse the church, if you will, as to whether God's power was truly able to be active today. What if we could show, still even in that doubt and unbelief, that Jesus is purely who He says He is, and be that pure representation of Jesus still, consistently? Maybe once again, people would be, as they were in this story, overwhelmed with wonder. I find it interesting that they're like, you guys can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. And Jesus shows up on the scene, and they're overwhelmed with wonder? Like, how? What happened there? Jesus just showed up. Why were they overwhelmed with wonder? Nothing had been done. What if we could be that pure representation of Christ for the common good in our culture so that we could continually overwhelm people with wonder. The church. That's the desire we see in 1 Corinthians 12 is that we would be so good for the good of all that awe and wonder could return. God's desire for the church is that we would be active and and even the supernatural things as we'll uncover here. The most beautiful thing about this story is, is the approach at the reality of unbelief. And uh, Jesus first addresses it, oh, unbelieving generation, he says. How long shall I put up with you, you know? And I find it interesting that even in the midst of the Father's turmoil, Jesus would pause. Here's this guy struggling with belief, right? And, and Jesus pauses to uh, uh, say, well, so let's talk about this. Like your kids rolling around and screeching on the ground. So talk to me. Like, how long has this been going on? You know, let's grab a coffee. Let's have a water from Kirkland, you know. And the father had to have been going, uh, your disciples didn't cast this out. And my boy's like writhing on the ground and you want to have a conversation, right? Isn't that kind of weird? Have you ever, if you read the Bible, you just got to envision it. Kind of put yourself there and see the scenario because this has to be odd that this boy is like throwing himself around on the ground, or really it's a spirit within the boy, and Jesus wants to first connect with the Father and kind of comprehend the scenario. Again, you know, open life, and you could read it on your way in there, we're connecting, serving, and sharing. And it's exactly the reason we say that is it's what Jesus does. Even in this, like, what would be considered a very urgent moment in the life of a father and his child, even though it's been since childhood, he finally believes his child, kind of believes, his child is going to be healed, right? Hasn't quite worked with the disciples. They've cured all kinds of other diseases and ailments, but not his son. And so he's looking at that, and, he's, and all of a sudden, Jesus wants to connect first before he serves the Father. And then we'll see in a moment how he shares this with his disciples. So these are practices of health in our faith, and, uh, and 1 Corinthians tells us that you and I can operate in them as well. 
the father, probably in his unbelief, says to Jesus, if you can. And that probably, it sounds like that was a pet phrase, like that was a, I don't know if you have phrases that just kind of set you back, make you go, what? You know, depending on your personality, if you tell me I can't do something, I'm like, oh yeah, right? Because that's, that's my personality. That's, you can't clean your room. Oh yes, I can. You know, that was me as a kid. But if my parents said, go clean your room, I'd go, want to fight? You know, that's just kind of the way I was. And so you have to learn the personality and guide the person correctly, right? But it must have been a phrase that Jesus kind of caught him there, right? If you can, you know, and we see his response to that is everything is possible for him who believes. Not everything is possible for Jesus. I'm the son of God. Not everything is possible because I am the Son of God. I came down and I am, I am fully man but fully God, so everything's possible. No, he said everything is possible for him who believes. For him who believes. It's it, you and I. Everything is possible. Salvation opens the door for a growing faith and everything is open to us. Supernatural, the supernatural just infuses our existing faith. It's pretty cool, pretty simple, pretty cool. Jesus additionally serves the child. So remember, connecting, serving, sharing. He reaches down and serves the child. Everybody thinks he's dead, but he does, he does it in two ways. One, he says there was a large crowd approaching. So there was already a large crowd arguing with the disciples, but there was even more of a crowd approaching his way. And I find it intriguing that Jesus cast the demon out before the crowd got there. I think that shows the pure motive and the heart of God. He just wants the child to be well. He doesn't need the crowd there to witness it, because then it becomes more about the person doing the healing than the God working through the person doing the healing. And I think we need to keep ourselves in check, you know, because sometimes we imagine, oh, healing ministry or, you know, deliverance, miracles, faith, that's just for like evangelists on TV, right? Mm, I would say no. It's for every one of us who believe, as we'll read again here in 1 Corinthians 12. But I, I look and, and I go, Jesus' motives were so pure and he was in check. He's like, you know, for the sake of this boy, I'm going to do this before the crowd gets here so it won't be like embarrassing or whatever. It was more about God being glorified than him saying, I did it. I prayed and fasted so I was able to cast that demon out. It was, it, it was more like, I don't want to be noticed. I want God to be glorified. He also serves the child by reaching down and grabbing his hand and, and helping him up when others thought he was dead. And I just think that's, that's beautiful servanthood. That should be our heart towards those around us who have need, that we should be that hand that can help them through even the most deadly moments in their life. We should walk through life with people and hand in hand helping them and not just leave them to figure out their life by themselves. It comes down to, to faith beyond salvation and a, a growing faith, again, even in this scenario, that we would be willing to serve purely those around us, not just to, to build us up or to build up our church, but the common good of people. 
So then Jesus shares this experience with his disciples, and they wait until it's behind closed doors, you know, and, uh, but they just go, okay, what's the deal, Jesus? You send us out, yeah, and, and we'll read some of these passages in a second. They've already been sent out. They've already cast demons out of people. They've healed the sick. They've, they've done all these incredible miracles as those commissioned by Jesus and empowered with authority to go out, but yet they couldn't do this one. And Jesus just very simply said, well, this kind only comes out through prayer. So as we are going to read, we're supposed to eagerly desire the gifts. That should be a part of our prayer life so we're ready in and out of season to act in faith if God would desire us to do that. So let's jump into our text for this series, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Again, the manifestation of the Spirit is not given to promote you as a follower of Jesus. The manifestation of the supernatural is given to you so that good that is needed could come about and glory could come to God. It has nothing to do with us and everything to do with God. 1 Corinthians 12.31 says, though, eagerly desire greater gifts. So the Holy Spirit desires to work uniquely through each one of you, as is uh, written about here in 1 Corinthians 12. Let's read the gifts that we're kind of studying here. To one, there is given through the Spirit the, measure of, or the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by that same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking of different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these, verse 11, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. <coughs> So this is where last week we landed, and we talked about the reality of it's not our pride involved, right? He's the one who gives them as he determines. He, discover, he desires the what, when, who, where, why. We are just the one he works through, and all we need is an eager desire for him to work through us. So we're focusing on 1 Corinthians 12, 9, and 10, what I would call the faith gifts. So faith, healing, and miracles today. And you could toss into this one, distinguish in between spirits if you wanted to, uh, but we're going to focus mainly on faith, healing, and miraculous powers, which all are in the context of that initial story of Jesus that we read with him healing the boy from the evil spirit. I feel like in the modern-day culture, um, we've dismissed these gifts almost for being just for other countries or whatever where there's more divination, more like demonic activity, uh, they've never heard of the gospel, they've never heard of faith, um, they practice witchcraft a lot more, and we kind of think, well, they're more in tune with the supernatural. For These things are for them. So when we go on a missions trip, maybe we'll cast a demon out of somebody. But couldn't that happen here? 
don't we still need healing here? Don't we still need miracles in our present day? Um, I, I, I look into this and go, uh, is this just for the evangelist? Is this just for the, the big show that you would see on TV where they're laying hands on people and they're falling down and becoming well and throwing their wheelchairs away and their crutches and stadiums? Or can this be a practice that can happen in a cubicle or on a commuter bus or at a grocery store or in a coffee shop? Are these really for each of us? Does God still give these gifts to each one as he determines today? I believe, obviously, the answer is yes. God does pour these out today. And my prayer is this, Lord, help my unbelief. Give me an eager desire and and help my desire just rise up to operate in the gifts as you open opportunity. I want to see you glorified. So let's look at the three elements that, that today, these three faith gifts, and kind of define them a little bit. The first one is faith, which is supernatural confidence and trust in God given by the Holy Spirit, enabling a Christian to believe God for miracles. So supernatural confidence, trust in God given by the Holy Spirit, enabling a Christian to believe God for miracles. The best or like the most well-known, I think, story about this is the centurion soldier in the Gospels. So if you've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you probably could recall the story of when a centurion soldier approaches Jesus and asks for healing for his servant. Let's read the occurrences recorded by Matthew. Matthew 8, 5 says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help, which he should not have been doing anyway, but he was. He said, Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, well, I will go and heal him. So Jesus is willing to go to the centurion's home. Centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Can you imagine being the one that astonishes Jesus? I mean, Jesus is astonished by the centurion soldier. And what astonished him was his faith. He realized Jesus could. He believed Jesus could, with just a word, heal his servant. And as the story goes, he's healed. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool to see. Open life has had, I think, the ability since early on to operate in this gift of faith. And we might not refer to it as, here's another supernatural opportunity, guys, you know. But the reality is, the Holy Spirit has given us a supernatural ability to take risks that only God could fulfill. And looking back, in our history is kind of fun to, to, to point these out, and you can watch videos on our website and stuff about it, but when we started, we were in the Regal Theater, 
It was hecka expensive, you know, and we started with a little bit of funding that we had raised. And so we started this church in the Regal Theater, and by fall of the year we started it, 2010, January 2010, we started. By fall of 2010, there came a month when we had 37 cents left in the bank. It's not a big pad of security, right? So, uh, you know, we have no outside funding. We fund ourselves with, with, with our giving, right? And so we were like, wow. So our budget was a little off, obviously. We were going in the wrong direction. So we made some drastic course corrections. This is like October of 2010. We said, obviously, the theater costs too much, so we can't stay here, which we didn't necessarily like because it was a cool venue. And we said uh, there were no schools open at the time to meet in. So we started just brainstorming what we could do. And in the midst of praying and brainstorming, uh, we realized, one, that we were going to have to not be in the theater. So we had to go mobile. We stored everything at the theater. So we had to, like, buy as you drove up. You saw that container out there. And and there's all these cabinets we roll in and out. We put all this up and down every Sunday. So we were like, oh, my goodness. How are we going to do that when we have 37 cents in the bank? Well, we just took the risk, right? And the risks continued all the way through March of 2011. Uh, One, we chose to move, and we had no idea where. Like, we had a few different locations potentially open up, and we ended up at Victor Falls Elementary. But when we bought the trailer and started buying these containers, there was nobody with a pickup to pull them. People were like, you're buying a trailer with no pickup? I was like, oh, somebody will get a pickup. You know what I'm saying? It was just that. You know, I, well, our executive pastor at the time, uh, Shane McCroskey, he was, like, he was like, you are plain crazy. This is the dumbest move ever. I'm like, no, I really think God will provide. And then people bought pickups and it ended up working. But I was just like unnerved for a while. You're just like, God, I think you've said to do this. That was an act of faith. That same season, when we had 37 cents in the bank, we had promised Liberty Ridge Elementary School that we were going to provide 200 Thanksgiving meals for their families in need, uh, you know, because they were our strategic partner, and, and we had 37 cents in the bank. So it, and we had to buy, like, 200 meals, and all of a sudden, like, within a week of that, God provided the funding, and we were able to provide all the food. And It was just crazy. Those were moments of either pure stupidity out of our mindness or God was absolutely encouraging us to take a risk. Now, Big Give is, uh, instead of being a $4,000 adventure, it's over a $12,000 event that provides food for every person in need through all the schools on the plateau at, at Walmart every, the Saturday before Thanksgiving in partnership with the food bank and everybody else and just tons of corporate sponsors. It's a pretty cool deal to see what God has raised up from a moment of just sheer faith. We continue. You know, I think it's cool because I'm usually the one who steps out in faith, just like what I would call like stupid faith or whatever, but it's really supernatural. I'm not calling the supernatural stupid, but just feels like it when you're in it, right? Because it's impossible. And I, I thought it was cool that this year, how uh, taking on the school supply give was kind of uh, Dana's supernatural faith moment. They're next to me going, I think we should do this. You know, <laughs> I was like, let's give it a couple days. Let's give it a couple. You know, she's the one that was just like, 
So it's like, hey, if God's leading us to say yes, if she's saying yes that quick, it's, it's a yes by God, right? So you're just like supernatural faith. And now I even look, you know, just transparently, it, it, it's pretty cool to see some of you have already given like directly to the school supply give. And that is an act. You might not have realized it. You might just have thought, ah, you know, I've heard Thad talk about needing funding for the school supply give. I'm just going to write a check. But really, honestly, that's a supernatural act of faith stirring in you to be generous. That's God's spirit at work. It's a spiritual transaction, not a financial one. And we need to recognize this for what it is. It's the supernatural power of God moving through your generosity. It's faith. So this is not the same faith referred to in Scripture that heals us. This is not, or that heals us, that saves us. This is not, it is the faith that heals us. It's not the faith that saves us. You read the passages, you're saved by faith alone. That's faith on Christ. This is a supernatural faith beyond that that allows us to believe in the impossible. So let's read some passages that kind of define this. Matthew 21, verse 21 says, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, he had cursed a fig tree and it died right in front of him, they're like, whoa, right? But also, you can say to a mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, I love nights around here, and I love, love the sunset. So if you go try this, don't do it with Mount Rainier, because I think it's beautiful, right? Don't go outside today if the clouds go away and go, Mount Rainier, I want you to go plant yourself in the sea. Because what would happen is the sea would come wash over us, and like, you know what I'm saying? Don't try it. Got it? Okay, anyway, that wasn't even funny, so I'll just keep going. Uh, Luke 17, 6 says it this way. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to a mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it'll obey you. A mustard seed, the size of the little ball inside that ballpoint pen that is in your hand. A mustard seed. A mustard seed. If we just have that much faith, So it's not like we need the faith that would fill this room. We just need a tiny bit of faith for God to do some pretty impossible things through our lives. Each one of us can operate in this gift of faith as long as it's orchestrated by the Holy Spirit and it's for the common good, not our own selfish desire, right? God allows these things to happen as he orchestrates for the common good of all of us. So if it's good for him to open up a school so that we can worship in it, which we were the first church to ever meet here at Bonnie Lake High School, it's good to him. He's the one who orchestrates that, which seemed to be an impossible task to a lot of churches in this community before these doors open. James five fourteen through 15 now turns the corner. It says, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him, anoint him with oil, and in the name of the Lord... And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. If we pray without faith, what good is it, right? But if we pray with faith, backed up by the power of the Holy Spirit, inspired in us, 
for the good of everybody, God can even make the sick well. He can transform someone's eternity in an instant. And in your workplace, in your neighborhood, you just may be that elder. What does that mean? It's a, you may be that person who follows Jesus in the scenario. You're the elder in faith in that scenario, and you should just take a risk and pray in faith that God can. Matthew nine twenty seven says, Jesus went on from there. Two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came in, came to him. And he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, will it be done to you? God's seeking belief and faith both ours and those we're praying for, which is why I love in this passage that reference, help my unbelief. I think it's a great prayer for you and for me. God, help my unbelief. Jesus says one of the last things he's teaching his disciples in John 14, he says, I tell you the truth, Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name. I'll do it. That's the God we, we follow. That's the God we serve. So then healing. Number two there, if you're Filling in the blank, you can probably guess. I should have done like a match these definitions with these words. But anyway, healing, restoring someone to physical health by supernatural power from God. Matthew 10.8 says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Jesus commissions his followers to heal the sick. This is the role of of the disciple, those who follow Jesus, in the world that we live in still today, that the supernatural is available and ready to be active. It says in Mark 16, 18, speaking of us, the future disciples of Jesus, right? Those who follow Jesus. It says, they'll pick up snakes in their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. At the end of today, we'll bring out the snakes and the poison. I'm just kidding. We're, we're not, let's, let's, we won't go into that part of the passage. Uh, but I will focus on this. It's interesting how many times in Scripture Jesus like touches their eyes and they can see or lays hands on them. And he even does weird stuff like spit in mud and rub it in their eyes. And you better know God told you, right? If you're going to spit in mud, like I have a sore throat. If you're going to spit in my mouth and tell me I'm well, you better be right that it was God. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, anyway, I'm just, or I may hit you. I'm, it could happen. Uh, so I, but I look at this, and Jesus is challenging us to simply just say, hey, can I pray for you? It doesn't have to be a big show. The crowd doesn't have to be there. It's as simple as, you're not feeling well? Lord, I just pray for you. We were hanging out with our missionaries this week that we're going to serve in Indonesia here in August. 
and they're in town, and, and uh, one of their kids had a sore tummy, and he was just like, can I pray for your tummy? And he placed his hand on her tummy and just said, Lord, and he, in his little kid voice, it was hilarious, Lord, touch her tummy. You know, he's praying like that, and I'm like, How, God has to like that. You know what I'm saying? She didn't complain about her tummy after that, but he was just like, it doesn't have to be, in the name of Jesus, you know, bam, hit her tummy. She like goes back into the water and walks on it. No, that, n- none of that. You know, it's just simply in her language for her good. It, it's, that, it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be weird, the supernatural. Luke 9, when Jesus is sending out the disciples, this is what he says. He called the 12 together. He gave, gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. As we lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus, our role in our society, our role in the world we live in is to share the gospel and be someone that God could work through to heal the sick. And it's as simple as prayer. Prayer for those who need it. Acts 4.29, the prayer of the persecuted church. They had just been told to knock it off. Uh, They had been healing people. And it was causing an uproar uh, in an opposite direction of the faith that they wanted people to follow. And so, uh, they can, but they continued to share the gospel and heal the sick because Jesus told them to, right? And it says this, after they got out of prison, they prayed this prayer, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak the word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs. And wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. See, that's a great prayer. It's a great prayer, and it's a great belief. In Acts 5, we see that their prayers were answered. In verse 12, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them. As he passed by, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits And all of them were healed. Peter was no superman. Peter's just like you or I. And he eagerly desired the greater gifts. He eagerly desired for the supernatural to flow through him. And God allowed that to happen and brought much glory to himself. Then we have miracles. God-given supernatural power to alter the course of nature including acts of God in which the power of his kingdom is demonstrated against Satan and evil spirits, like driving out demons that we referred to in our first story. Acts 19, verse 11, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Now, that's not saying go buy yourself a stock of hankies and tablecloths and start mailing them to all your sick friends, right? That's, that's not what that's saying. 
It says God did extraordinary miracles. God initiated and demonstrated the miraculous through Paul for that time, for that common good. He could do something totally different through you. He could do something, like I I read books on an evangelist, his name was Smith Wigglesworth, where he would sleep in a bed on a train and somebody sick would be on that train the next day, lay in the same bed and be healed. That wasn't Smith Wigglesworth. That was just how God chose to flow through Smith Wigglesworth for his glory. I love those stories. And I love the reality that that can be you or me today in whatever way. Maybe it's a note of encouragement for a coworker that God could use. Maybe it's an encouraging word to a neighbor while you're out mowing your lawn. You just become open life open, hashtag O-L-O, right? And, uh, and, and you just become open life open and like just talk. I got a chance to meet Warren at the Red Box next to the gas station this week. Hasn't seen a movie in 30 years. Just had a chance to to just not go to the red box and check out my movie that I'd reserved with the free text coupon, but talked to Warren, who bikes around, and told me that my license plate actually is channeling UFOs to our area, so sorry about that if you're afraid of aliens, but, you know, we had a great conversation, and it was entertaining, and yet, uh, when I said, I said, you know, I'm watching this movie tonight, and I was like, You've seen a movie? You want to watch a movie? I was kind of joking, right? Dana later is like, you invited him to watch the movie? I was like, you know, well, why not? Open life over, right? And, uh, but he hasn't watched a movie in 30 years, and he wasn't about to. He doesn't want to fill his mind with that stuff. <laughs> that was awesome. Anyway, uh, who knows what could come of that moment? Maybe he had a need. Maybe we could pray for someone. I mean, if we would just, God will provide opportunities for us to be used just as he did Paul. It wasn't about Paul, it was about God. We see one of the most visually amazing miracles in the day of uh, the Gospels, Jesus walking on water. Here's, here's the account in Matthew 14. Uh, During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified, and they said, it's a ghost, right? And they, they cried out in fear, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell them to come, or tell, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Something in me when I read this passage, I shared this passage at the baccalaureate for Bonnie Lake High School here, but something in me tells me that, like, Peter didn't want a yes reply to that question. Can you imagine that? Oh, yeah, well, if it's you, Jesus, well, tell me to come on the water. Okay. Oh, I wasn't, I didn't think he would say that. You know, now I got to put my actions where my words were, right? And so he steps out, walks on the water, it says here. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind and he became afraid, he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You have little faith. So faith. He said, why did you doubt And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. He had power over the weather, the elements. That's miraculous power. 
And we see that in operation around our world. You can go watch stories and media instances where, where cars that should collide don't and, and where, you know, fires that should have killed somebody don't. People walk out well. Merrick, miraculous powers stump people all the time. And we just, it's an unexplained occurrence. No, it's not unexplained at all. This is the supernatural power of God for all of us who believe. I love an evangelist friend of mine who says, according to the story, I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat talker. And I think you and I need to risk every once in a while getting out of the boat of our faith and believe in God for the supernatural, not for our sake, for the sake of the common good. For the sake of everyone around us who need to know that God is real, that glory would come to him and in him alone. We have access to these gifts. And it says simply, we have access through prayer. Prayer and fasting for some. All the gifts. It's simple. Choose Jesus. Follow him. Pray. Eagerly desire these greater gifts. Final passage, 1 Corinthians 13, 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith and can move the mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If our motivation is wrong, if, if our prayer to overcome unbelief is not matched with our prayer to grow in deeper love for the people around us in the city here that we live in, then it's in vain. It needs to be inspired by love. Can I pray for you today? I, I just want to pray for your desire, and I want to pray for our unbelief. So maybe you'd pray along with me as we really go after him today. Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity we've had to come and explore these three gifts that you describe in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, and 10. And uh, I pray for greater faith. I pray for, for healing to be able to occur at any given moment through any given person. I pray for miraculous powers and all the glory from these going to you. But I know that big obstacle is our belief, both ours and others. And in a world where oftentimes the the church has looked down on as not being able to walk the walk. We know it all depends on your power for us to be able to walk the walk. So I pray you would fill us with love for others enough to risk praying for healing for those who are sick. I pray for enough love for others, God, that our eyes would be so open that we would allow ourselves to risk faith in a moment of generosity. I pray that, God, you would allow us to, to have the faith to step out of our comfort zone and believe that miraculous powers are still present today and watch you glorify yourself through the moments. And may we grow ever increasing in faith of your ability to flow through us. Some, if they've yet to choose to follow you, Jesus, in this room, that's the first step. You went to the cross to give us the door to all these power and, and so that you could be glorified. And it was a sacrifice of Jesus that allows us to have eternal life. So I pray that, God, 
we would all in here choose to follow you if we've not yet done so. And we watch you flow through us purely to those in our community. Give us a great love for our city, a great love for others, and a faithful, acting people, each one of us. That's my prayer. Help our unbelief today. In Jesus' name, amen.